Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, is the supply chain fixed yet? <laughs> I laugh heartily. Why did you laugh? <laughs> With a robust chuckle, he laughs. I mean, it's just like no. a it's just just like a few switches you got to flip, right? Oh, if only it could be that simple, my friend. All right, do we need if to send only. in like a MacGyver type? <laughs> we need MacGyver in MacGruber? the best way. Yes, we need duct tape. We need caulk. We need like, all kinds of what stuff. About like the Impossible Mission Force, the A Team. <laughs> Marvel who Universe. Can, who can get it done? <laughs> I mean, yes, all of the above. Well, all jokes aside, there are still a lot of headaches, obviously, there in are. the supply chain. There are. Uh, and while a lot of those issues are kind of out of our control, directly mm. at least, mm-hmm, you know, there's mm-hmm. some broad, big issues that we just don't have any particular control over. This is true. You know, we wanted to take a look a little bit at where we are, yep. uh, what's next, and maybe if our channel and our, our VARs can help in some way. Oh, uh, there's some solutions, yeah, right? Yeah. Where well, there's pain there's opportunity exactly that's what we're looking at so we have dave frick from code on with us today he's going to help us talk a little bit about this we're going to get into very excited what he's seeing what's going on out there what him and code are paying attention to in supply chain and inventory right now Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about this um you know, the shift in, in demand and what's been going on that's kind of led to some of these issues. Yep. We talk about what's next. What you know, we, we'll, we'll, oh. make, we'll make Dave make some predictions Thank about you. the future. So I don't need my crystal ball. Dave needs yeah. his crystal exactly. ball. Exactly. He Got needs it. his crystal ball. Yes. Today. Right. All right. And he might tell us if maybe there's any other crises looming. Not that we need one right now. <laughs> like, can we have <laughs> but, some normality just, just for a little case, bit? Yeah. yeah all right. Ideally, he tells us, nope, nope, everything looks great. All right. uh, we'll talk a little bit about inventory in particular, you mm-hmm. know, how companies are struggling with that, maybe what we can do to help them. There, mm-hmm. what code's doing to tackle some of these issues. Then we'll get onto our usual VAR value stuff where we give them a little in- insight to our, our VARs about maybe how they can help out with here. And of course, what's tech connecting with us? Our Man, I feel segment. like I need a bar stool and a drink to get through this one. I don't know. There's a lot to cover <laughs> when they talk hey, about the, the app, the uh, Bon Appetit Kitchen's right nearby here. There you go. Yeah. There's the studio, some, one studio over. Yeah. There's probably some beverages in the uh, in the uh, refrigerator there. We'll tell Dave just to grab something out of his <laughs> fridge. Go. He's got yeah, it. Bring yeah. it over. So, yeah, yeah. all right. It's time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. Dave Frick from Code is with us today. Dave is the Director of Operations. Dave, welcome to the show. We appreciate having you on today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe your your day-to-day operation at Code. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I've been in the uh, supply chain world for about 39 years right now. Uh, I started back in 1983 working in manufacturing and uh, all all avenues or all aspects of the supply chain throughout my career. Um, at Code, uh, I've been here about uh, 18 months, and uh, my role and my operations team role here is basically uh, planning, forecasting, uh, sales, and execution on the uh, on getting our product out into the channel. Man, you've yep. you've seen it all then. Right. First time in the supply chain. It's, uh, I tell you, I thought I had seen it all, but, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I saw things that have never occurred. I was just going to say, I was going to be my next question. Have you seen anything close to what we've been dealing with lately? Or is this pretty new? No. And I'll tell you, I've, I've 
I have not met anybody in the industry that says, oh yeah, I remember this back in the day. Um, this is this is something that's never happened and uh, hopefully it won't happen again once we get out the other side of this. Yeah, those pesky no global pandemics are, you know, don't tend to be a very cyclical <laughs> event, you know? Yeah. Well, and then when you pile on all the things that all yeah, other things exactly. that have been piling on, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Yes, yeah. very yeah. much so. But 39 years experience in the industry, we got a good... I, th I think we, we got, got the guy. We got the guy. Yeah. He's going to tell us all about He's where the, we're at. the flips. They're the switch flipper. He's yes. the MacGyver, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. I, I like the idea of getting the Marvel folks to help us. I think that... Let's get some Avenger help out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just about need a superhero team at this point to fix no some of these doubt, problems. No so. doubt. I'd be nice if Thor could just fly out there and grab some boats, you know, Boom. him and Hulk, you know, and yeah, just fine. bring him to shore for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. So obviously, yes, supply chain is still challenged at best. Uh, and, and, and obviously the pandemic, you know, the restrictions are starting to ease a little bit. But we also have labor shortages that are still, you know, a, a huge issue, whether it's just the, the shortages that came out of the pandemic in general or mm -hmm. the fact that so many people are resigning, the great resignation, mm -hmm. trying out different jobs, demanding better conditions, better pay. Inflation's obviously an issue right mm -hmm. now. We've had severe weather events. I just heard about that uh, Abbott uh, baby formula plant had to shut down again this time because of a severe weather event that shut them down for uh, for a couple days. <laughs> Can't again. win. Those yeah, folks can't Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We got a war in Ukraine. Uh, lots of stuff that's affecting several industries right mm -hmm. now. So what are you hearing right now on the ground when you're talking to your customers and folks in the supply chain? What's code you know talking about right now? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel here? You know, uh, I would love to say that this is going to be done in six months, but nobody knows. I think that uh, the, the supply of materials has actually stabilized, it's just not like it used to be. So we've got, we've gone from 22, 26 week lead times just a year ago to where we're out to 60, 66 week lead times on semiconductors. And uh, you know, it's, I, I hate to call it the new norm, but I think that it's gonna be with us for a while. Um, the demand in the market today is, is outpacing supply and all the great technologies that are have been evolving over the last few years have really put a stress on a on a supply chain that has underinvested over the last decade. And when you say that, uh, Dave, do you mean do you speak of infrastructure itself? You know, the supply chain, the ability to handle it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's all about the infrastructure. I mean, we've we've seen in the news this year the billions of dollars that that the big semiconductor manufacturers are investing in new facilities around around the globe um, you know but that hadn't been done for the for the decade before so uh, i think it even caught it caught the big boys by surprise as well no doubt about it i mean we're one of the benefactors here close to ohio where i live in ohio of course intel's buying a, or building a whatever ginormous uh, right. chip plant there. There's investments being made in Mexico. There's, there are global investments happening, but your point's valid one. You know, we got ketchup to make first and then we can start getting back yeah. into a, in a time when we, when the supply is maybe uh, meeting the demand. But, you know, from a component standpoint, Dave, let's stay there for just a second. Beyond semiconductors and chips, are there other things that, that you know, that are, you know, either, not getting quite the headlines that they should be getting that are impacting production and things of that nature that are outside of those two? 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, plastic resins right now, I, I don't hear much about it in the news, but the resin availability is becoming very, very tight these days. Um, we're now getting quoted up to 40 weeks to get resins, uh, resin pellets in for some of the injection molding that we do in our plastics. Uh, so that's, that's been a, that was affected last year by the freeze in Texas, and uh, it hasn't recovered. It's continued to get worse. I think we've had problems with copper, uh, copper foil that's used in a lot of the uh, components, PC boards and things like that. Uh, that's been a challenge as well. So some of the, some of the raw materials, the, the stuff that's actually dug out of the earth is becoming more difficult to get our hands on just because of the demand for the products that we all love. So, so the demands on the manufacturing side, is it being pinched by logistics and the inability now it seems like to move stuff around as efficiently or as we were, or the backlog has, has created these inefficiencies? What are your thoughts, uh, some of your thoughts there? It, it's interesting you talk about backlog. We had some conversations with some suppliers just recently about what their backlog looks like. And they say it looks the same as it did a year ago which I actually think is an encouraging comment because a year ago, everybody, we thought everybody was doing panic buying and they were, they were, uh, you know, stockpiling parts if they could get their hands on them. And when I'm told that the backlogs are about the same as they were last year, it makes me think that there is some, some rational behaviors happening out there in the manufacturing world. Uh, but beyond, beyond the materials and the logis logistics constraints, you talked about the labor shortage. Um, there truly is a labor shortage and it's global. It's not just here in the US. So, uh, well, we've got suppliers and sub-tier suppliers around the globe and they're all complaining that they still haven't gotten back to uh, full factory labor forces yet uh, and with no restrictions in, in certain places. So it's just like people decided to do a reset and rethink what they wanted to be in, yeah. in life. I'm yeah. going to throw another one at you real quick, Dave, before we move on, because I've been kind of pondering and I'd love to get your take on this a little bit. I know that some manufacturers, I don't know if code is one of these or not, but are shifting where com components are being made. Uh, maybe, I don't want to call it nearshoring some of that stuff, but certainly you hear in the news that Mexico is becoming a benefactor of many organizations, many manufacturers trying to bring some of the manufacturing back. A little I'll closer say, to home at least. A little closer yeah. to home, to the Americas, mm -hmm. if you will, maybe out of APAC into the Americas, or at a minimum, uh, increasing, uh, you know, because obviously what we learned is when you're, when all your supply is coming out of one area, you know, and you're putting all your eggs in one basket, right. you know what they say, yep. don't do that, right? <laughs> so, so now other manufacturers are trying to, at a minimum, come up with other options that are not all right. there. Right. And, and maybe that's having a continuing, you know, strain on the supply, right? So instead of making this plastic case uh, only in APAC, we're going to make it there. Oh, and we're going to have a subsequent supplier in Mexico as well. And so now the demand has just grown a little bit more because... We need some stability in, right. in supply. What do you think, David? Are you seeing that? And maybe not just from a code perspective, but from other people that you talk to and other manufacturers and stuff. Is that is that a truism? Are you starting to see some of these pull back and, and come bring manufacturing back into the Americas, if you will? Absolutely. Uh, I think that three years ago, you wouldn't be talking about that at all. People were still of the mindset that 
We needed to go where the least expensive labor was in the world. And I, I think that was, a, that was a real bad decision back then. You've got to look at the best value proposition for the manufacturing. And diversifying where you manufacture, I think that's going to become a way of life for all companies uh, moving forward because we need to de-risk the supply chain to ensure that our customers can keep their uh, products flowing. And um, that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, and that that comes with some expense, uh, and obviously inflation is happening. And when you hear, because we are we're not immune to that. I mean, right. we've had almost every manufacturer across the board has increased pricing mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Right. right? This is just maybe one of those reasons. Component prices are going up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but and, and so there's going to be some pain, you know, right. until that equates it, itself out. And I don't know if it takes to your point, Dave. And, and John, you asked the question, is there light at the tunnel? I hope so. You know, there's, there, there's got to be someday. It's like right? a little pinpoint right now. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, yeah. at some point we're going to, you know, right. we'll look back and we'll laugh as, as jovially <laughs> I as, I, so, yeah. as I laughed at the beginning of this podcast about our current situation. It might be a nervous laugh. Like, huh? remember <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but you're starting to see. Well, anyway, go ahead. Well, no, sorry. I was just say this makes me think of like you know innovation too. Like, I, oh right, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. concerned that you know there's a lot of companies that just they're going to have to like stop with innovating right now or not bother with a lot of these interesting projects they might have had on their whiteboard and stuff that they wanted to try next because when your whole focus is like how do we fulfill our obligations and mm-hmm. our inventory and our orders that are existing right now, mm-hmm. we just need to devote every bit of energy we have to that. And not even thinking about the next, you know, iteration. Like I'm, it's one of those things I don't know we can see right now because we're so in the weeds, and mm-hmm. maybe we're starting to see a little bit of it since we've been in it for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if you know, give us another like decade down the road if we're going to look back and say like, man, there was a lot of innovation that got stifled d- during this time because we just couldn't get what we needed to do, and even even to just try out some science projects and try some new stuff out. I'm I'm more of an optimist. Uh, Are you good? Point. So I'm not going to think pessimistic. I think the innovation is there, but. And I was reading some use cases that you have on the code site, uh, Dave. I don't know if you're aware of these, but uh, I think innovation is going to come through stuff like this. I mean, there was there was a use case about their Cortex decoder barcode. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. you guys, obviously, your scan engine is something that uh, that uh, it can be utilized in the SDK. Um, there are some really innovative companies out there that are developing some solutions to try to optimize existing infrastructure and things of that just to, to help right, mitigate right. some of these issues that are out there. So uh, I'm, I'm praying some of the innovation. Well, as usual, it's my the... job to be the cynic. Yes, but, yes, But yes, I like yes. that you're the You see where I'm going with that? Yes, yes, yes. I, yes. I agree. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And it's through companies like Code that are enabling that right, by, right. by having those types of things. Well, I, trust me, I want to be wrong about this. I yeah, want, yeah, no I doubt. hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we find out like, no, like we didn't, we didn't experience kind of a downturn in innovation and new right. products and new ideas because yeah. of this, that instead maybe we got inspired. I mean, because let's be honest, there has been a lot of really interesting new tech that has come out of the pandemic as a whole and has mm-hmm. come out of this whole necessity as a whole. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. We talk about them all the time. Yeah, so yeah, for sure, you know, hopefully that is continues to be the case. Yeah. Well, Dave, let's kind of shift then and talk about this, you know, the, the current cut like consumer environment and, 
you know, as we've all been stuck at home, we all got used to, you know, we're going to order all of our stuff online. We're not shopping out at stores anymore. We're more demand for <laughs> rapid, fast delivery on time. In, and returns. Door. And returns, And yes. returns, yes. Which I, I almost feel like we should do a whole episode about returns sometime. We do. Sometime. Like Dude, that's, that's, like, that's its own nightmare. It's yeah. crazy, bro. So we, we know that's happening. So, you know, are we, are, is there any new challenges that you think might be coming down the road that we haven't even really started thinking about yet, you know? Do you do you see the potential for any of their crises looming again? I don't I don't want there to be more, but <laughs> you know, it'd be nice. To, it's still nice to get out in front of this stuff. If you're seeing this coming, you're thinking there could be a, an issue here. Yeah, I think I think it's not a new issue. I think it's just expanding on a current one, which is just the logistics of delivery on uh, on the new way of buying things. Um, it, when people are buying from home, they're clicking a mouse and something shows up at the door in an hour. When, when we double the number of people doing that, how are we going to get that material to them with the same level of service as they're experiencing today? And I think there's some real challenges there as we look forward. Um, the labor shortage is not, is not um, overlooking those delivery services. Right? They're having the same challenges that everyone else is. If you think about it, um, you, know, you order something online for same-day delivery, they're dropping packages off at midnight now. Yeah, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Just because they want to get it to you as when they have people available to deliver. And, um, you know, we're just going to, that will continue to be an issue. I think I've seen uh, some advertisements recently on fast food restaurants talking about drone delivery to people. I, I mean, that's, that's, you talk about tech and uh, innovation stopping, that's pretty innovative right there. And uh, if, if we can get it to work, great. But I, uh, I, I'm, I think we're a ways away from having that kind of solution going mainstream. Oh, well, yeah. for sure we are. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about drones oh, yeah. and stuff like that. We had a, a, a summit recently and had uh, a gentleman from a company called Autonomy give us kind of the down low on automation autonomous vehicles and delivery and stuff like that. Dave, you're right. There are definitely some challenges that are happening there. Yeah. You know what? I'll throw on the table here because I was reading an interesting article on it as well. Um, it's the first mile and the last mile and the mountain of information data mm -hmm. that is that is there. And this 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 article is making the the case that really we, what we need are companies to start playing nice uh, in this first mile and last mile part of it because that's right. the supply chain area that's really getting feeling the pain if you right, will right? right so after the product is manufactured getting it to the port i mean we all know about the port issues and stuff like that but that's a much more mature part of the supply chain logistics mm -hmm. than the first mile and the last mile specifically the last mile but anyway uh, they're saying you know thousands of supply chain companies are sitting on mountains of data as it relates to that and they're advocating you know that there needs to be more of a community involvement and a sharing of that data so that you can breed innovation right, right. you see what i'm saying so you know if, if something's stuck in a cross dock somewhere and uh and only a certain one entity knows it but you know there needs to be a delivery company or something like that that also needs that information right uh i get it you know i, I as we 
as consumers and we expand our desire to have everything delivered to us in, in short or no time, uh, you're going to have to see innovation like this, the sharing of information, the sharing of data in order to facilitate some of that stuff. Yeah. That's, that's the only way it's really going to happen. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Or else we're going to be kind of in this spot that we're, that we're <laughs> in. But that's kind of the part of the crisis that, that's, that's maybe not looming, but to Dave's point, you know, it's, kind, it's here, right? It's, it's, it's the things that we're dealing with. Well, unfortunately, Dave has to deal with every single day. <laughs> yeah, you and I just get we to talk to people. We just about talk it. about yeah. it. Yeah, he's got to deal with it. I mean, he's got a whiteboard behind him. It's full of information. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Well, then let's let's talk about the problem of inventory in general. Then, and in particular, I guess here, why are so many companies still struggling to carry adequate stock and replenish their inventory? I mean, again, I know you know we know the broader issues, but. I also do feel like by now, two years in, we should have a pretty good idea about like, all right, you know, here's what we need to get by. Here's what we need to be thinking about to get ourselves stocked six months or eight mm. months down the road. Mm. But that still doesn't seem to be happening. It feels like there's a lot of folks that are still just struggling with inventory. So what are you seeing around that right now? Yeah, so I, I go back to the comment I made earlier about the, um, the manufacturer's backlog seem to be stabilized. I think that part of the reason why we see this gap in in inventory for so many companies these days is that we went from a 26 week lead time to a 60, 66 week lead time over a four to five week period in 2021. So that, that created a nine to 10 month gap if you were planning on 26 weeks before. So for the last nine to 10 months, a lot of companies had no materials coming in. Um, I, I just yesterday, one of the engineers was telling me that there's a component, one component that we need to build a product. The normal price for that component is a dollar. And they found some on the market if we wanted to buy them for $230 each. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you, you just can't sustain inventories when those are the challenges that you've got. Um, we we at Code were fortunate in the fact that uh, when I got on board in December of 2020, I looked at the way that we had been planning and said we need to we need to do things a little bit differently. So we went out with our partners in our supply chain and started giving them a much longer forecast than we had in the past. Uh, right now, I'm out to 18 months. So all of my sub tier suppliers, all of my suppliers can see what I'm thinking is going to happen in the next 18 months. Now you've all dealt with salespeople. Salespeople are gonna tell you, they don't know beyond the next 18 days. Right. What's going to Maybe happen. even hours, yeah. Right. yeah. So, um, but we've, we've got a real mature forecasting and planning process that all levels of our sales teams are engaged with. Our, our sales people are talking to the end user customers in different ways than they have in the past. And we've been, we've been encouraging some different behaviors back in the supply chain so that we can be prepared to have those inventories available. Uh, so a lot of things have changed over the last 18 months. And as a result, I think we've got a, we have a stronger view of what our inventories need to be. And I think a lot of other companies are doing the same thing. So I do believe if, if we do want to talk about light at the end of the tunnel, 
I do believe that we are going to see better inventory levels uh, before the end of this calendar year. Ah, that's uh, good. That's comforting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily because things have become more available. It's because there's new ways of planning and forecasting than, than were ever used in the past. Let's keep going down that path, Dave, real quick, uh, because uh, in the beginning there, you talked a little bit about how ops and engineering are working a little bit more closely, or this is the takeaway that I just had from what you were saying, working a lot more closely today than maybe two years ago in, in, in general terms. And I, and I think I've heard this from several manufacturers now where, you know, hey, engineering's, you know, they're scrambling, right? They're, they're trying to figure out, oh, can I re-engineer the product to a component that is available or mm -hmm. that I could get three months earlier than the one that was that I can't get? And that, so to me, I don't come out of the manufacturing world, but I can imagine that the communication and the camaraderie and the, and just the overall, you know, togetherness of ops and engineering has increased over the last yeah. couple of years. Is that a truism? Is that, you're seeing that? It, it is. And um, the way that, the way that our organization is structured is I have my own engineering team inside of ops that does a lot of that work in the background. And then. We allow the R&D teams to continue to innovate. And you know, back to the comment about innovation earlier, uh, innovation is happening. It's just not becoming a product that's sellable yet because of the supply chain challenges. Um, when you're innovating, typically you're, you're looking at new components that are coming onto the market. And those manufacturers of those components are saying, great, but everybody else, all of your competition is doing the same thing. So uh, it's going to be 52 weeks before you can get anything. So it's slowing innovation, but believe me, innovation is definitely happening. Uh, but that collaboration between operations and engineering is definitely stronger than it ever has been in the past. And I think that I know from our personal experience, both groups appreciate that relationship much more than they had in the past. And I think that if, if there's one, you know, silver lining coming out of this is I think the internal collaboration in companies is going to be much greater than it had been in the past. You know, you've always, you've always hear operations is always complaining that, oh, you just threw that product over the wall and now it's my problem and you're off building the new shiny thing. Well, that's not the case these days. Engineering is staying involved through the life cycle of the product. Yeah. And so some good comes out of this. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. What, the last comment here is because, Dave, I think you were talking about it. And I do want to make sure that resellers understand this because obviously they're frustrated, right? I mean, so we're if all Dave, frustrated. If Dave has, you know, six month lead times, 60s, whatever week lead times, then the rest right. of us have even worse lead times, you know, that. Um, I can tell you, though, that everybody behind the scenes, I'm going to I'm going to keep going with what you were saying there, Dave, is working really hard yeah. uh, on all of these issues, even from I'll just speak from a distributor standpoint. We have product managers that are now allocation specialists, you know, doing things that they wouldn't normally do on right, a day to day. Right. They weren't hired in to do these things, right. but it is all hands on deck from a product standpoint of oh, whatever's coming in. We're going to make sure we're getting it to the right people as fast as we possibly can to meet the forecast that they're giving us and stuff like that. Right. So it is 
it is a weird world from a manufacturing standpoint, a distribution standpoint. I think resellers understand that to a certain degree, but I can tell you a lot is happening behind the scenes to make all that work. And I think Dave just highlighted a little bit just from the manufacturing perspective, some things that are happening too. Well, and I think that's a very important perspective to have, especially if you're someone on the front line in sales Mm -hmm. and you're dealing with those end customers who just want their stuff they don't know what they, is happening. Right, and they, they and they're right. You know, they think that it's just well, why don't you have it? Exactly. What do you, what do you mean they? You know, it just extended from a ten week lead to right, time to right. twenty. And this is definitely like this is not the time to do finger pointing. No, this is not the time to say, well, right. the guys at the that here are <laughs> messing it up. They're way behind, or the yeah. folks over here are messing it up. Like, this is that time to be like, hey, we're all we're all part of one big story here. That's right. We all take ownership of this. We're all yeah. collectively having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And just to be, you know, I think you know a lot of what what Dave was saying was this idea of just transparency and honesty and just and communication. Yeah, communication. Right? Just yeah. telling people up front, like saying, hey, yeah. you know, the second you find out that something's going to be delayed, you communicate that out. Like, hey, mm-hmm. here's your latest update. We've got an extra delay here. We're going to stay on top of this. I'll keep you informed. You know, and again, yeah, not a not a well, you know, unfortunately, the chip providers, you know, are way behind. So we got to wait on them just mm-hmm. but more of a big picture thing. Like, here's the overall situation that we're dealing with. If they want the nitty gritty and the details, fine. You can give mm-hmm. them the, that mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. But, you know, take ownership out of it as, as a whole, even though you personally, your position may have nothing, nothing to, do to do whatsoever with, yeah. right. with why this is happening. And it's other it's someone else's issue. It's still everyone's issue yeah. at this point. No, no. Take comfort in the fact that there are a lot of people working their tails yeah. off. Yeah, because guess what? Your competitor is dealing with the same thing. Like, <laughs> you're likely not getting beat to this business because everyone else is dealing with the same thing. And most likely, yeah. the customers that are going to stick with you and, and, and hold out, maybe even if someone else does have something a little bit sooner, right. might just be because you're the one that are at least being honest with them and up front yeah. the whole time and, yeah. and communicating all the That's way. right. And Dave, it sounds like forecasting and planning, you said it a couple times, becoming critical, right? Uh, so you guys have got a sharper eye on forecasting than maybe you ever did. Absolutely. And uh, it, it is so critical now because the lead times are so long. We have to make, we have to make guesses. And uh, the, we, we can look backwards at what's been happening uh, in our history as far as volumes go. But in this current market, <laughs> looking forward, it's, it's really, a, you, I need your crystal ball, actually, to be able to do it. Um, so what we've done is, you know, we've deployed a lot of different um, statistical models, looking at uh, what we're, what we've done in the past, what we think is going to happen in the future, and uh, we talk. You talk about transparency and communication. I've had more meetings directly with distributors, resellers, and even end users, just explaining what the situation is and encouraging them to give me more visibility of what's coming down the road. So. Those projects where, uh, you know, they've been working on it for 18 months and they're getting ready to deploy a a whole bunch of equipment into a new customer and they normally wouldn't come to us until three months before they needed it because that's their normal lead time. Now I'm starting to hear about this stuff when they start talking about it with their customers. So that's that's helped us out tremendously and it's it's a big part of the success we've had. Which, let's be honest, that's when you're supposed to get involved. That's when right. you want to be involved. Yeah, we, we've sure. talked about it before. Like mm-hmm. By the time a lot of times resellers and, and the vendors and, and us get involved in a particular solu- you know, solution discussion or a particular project, they're already way, way down the line where it's, we no longer have a lot, necessarily a lot of influence over what they're planning on doing. That's right. Now, if there's a bright side to this, it's you get informed a lot earlier and maybe you have a lot more time to help 
really develop the solution and come mm-hmm. up with something that's, you know, beneficial to them and to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dave, can we drill into another area? Because I was reading another article on this uh, about, and so this, this question is really about the supply coming into you and the transportation to get it to you. Because I can imagine as, you know, in operations, oh, three, four years ago, it was somewhat reli- logistics were reliable and so here's a quote i'll give you uh so before the pandemic and then this is talking about uh, cargo being shipped on the ocean and stuff like that yeah. the base level of only 20 percent of cargo uh, ever shipped late prior wow. to the pandemic over the past few months it's now an astonishing 70 percent of cargo wow. is late so, you know, you might have a component manufacturer in Mexico or APAC or wherever saying, oh, yeah, we'll have it manufactured in time. Right. But how am I going to get in that? What's the time it's going to take for it to get to, from there yep. to yep. wherever it needs to be assembled or whatever? When So so I imagine, I guess the question to you, Dave, is, is logistics is maddening for all of us, you know, for you as it is for all of us, too, and your equation of trying to get these products built? Yeah, it's it's a big part of the equation. Um, ma- the manufacturing is predictable. If the materials are there, I can tell you how long it takes to get through the factory, and I can tell you when it's on the shipping dock. I can even tell you when it goes out of the shipping dock and gets to our fulfillment centers. What I can't guarantee is when that's going to be picked up. Uh, we, uh, we, we have traditionally shipped everything via air we went away from ocean a while back a pre-pandemic and, uh, dave do you know yeah. oh even, okay even pre-pandemic okay got it and just because we wanted to we wanted like everybody else how do you minimize inventories well if i've got if i've got 60 days of inventory floating on the ocean that's you know that's capital that's sitting out there so we did the equations and we felt like um even pre-pandemic air shipping was okay for us. Now, fast forward through the pandemic, I used to pay $7 a kilogram for air freight. It's $13 a kilogram now for air freight. But I don't have a choice to go on ocean because just that reason at the moment, it's not predictable. Uh, We, uh, you know, we're part of a a much larger corporation now. And uh, our parent company ships ocean from Asia bringing product in. They had stopped about nine months ago and went air. And they just within the last uh, four or five weeks put stuff back on the ocean. And uh, probably by the end of 23, first quarter, or end of 22, first quarter of 23, ocean will probably be back to a very predictable delivery time, but it's not going to be the 45 days it used to be. It's probably going to settle in around sixty. Yeah. Okay. I got you. That's, that's what we're that's what we're seeing. Um, but but for us, we didn't really have as big a disruption as as some because we've been air freighting for years. Yeah. Yeah. Good move. Uh, yeah. Because obviously, you know, and when we are seeing more and more stuff being aired to us, exactly what you just said, the commentary that you just had. Um, I don't really watch the port congestion, but I have heard that things are getting better. And I guess you're kind of yeah. echoing that, that certainly by the end of the year, we'll be in a, a little bit more of a normal, uh, barring knocking on wood, barring anything else from <laughs> happening in this flipping crazy world. But then anyway, you're right. Some normality there as well. So thank you for your take on that. I was, I was curious on that front. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Well, then let's let's wrap up with code here yourself, because uh, we've talked about this whole spirit of collaboration and working mm-hmm. together. And so I want to know a little bit from your perspective, like what's code doing to help out with these issues right now? And I know I kind of mentioned on the Q sheet, like with end users in particular, maybe from a, you know, a hardware perspective. But, you know, I think this 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 uh, question can kind of ripple through the entire, you know, reseller channel here, you know, with with us as distributor and with resellers all the way down to the end users, you know, how does code see their, their role in tackling these issues right now? I think uh, it goes back to the, our direct meetings with end users. I think that by, by understanding their requirements in a lot more granularity than we had in the past, I think it, it allows us to be part of the solution uh, rather than being the problem that's holding up their projects. So um, we're, we're doing that. We're, we're trying to get the word out through some marketing and advertising that, hey, we're, we're here to help. We're, we want to be part of your solution. Um, and I think that it's, it's having an impact on us. Uh, we've got, well, quite frankly, we've got a lot of customers that are coming to us that haven't used us in the past and said, listen, I've been waiting on something for a long time. Can you help with this solution? And we can ship from stock through distribution. So um that's that's where it's at for us right now we're wanting to to try and drive that communication as far down the line as we can and that helps that helps a lot and communication i'll just say it again that's where we're at yeah Uh, exactly anybody is communicating and doing it well are winning more battles there you go there yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've given a little bit of insight to yes. the supply chain. Yes, I think some validation. Some validation, mm-hmm. some understanding mm-hmm. that everyone's dealing with the same thing. A mm-hmm. little bit of hopefulness. I feel like bit. I feel a little better about all this. I feel yep. like at least when folks like Dave are understand what's happening and are doing everything they can, are collaborating, are providing insight, providing communication. Mm-hmm. That's that's all all a good picture right now. Yes, so. yes, yes. He's he's still putting out fires, right, but they're of not huge, yeah. massive fires. Yeah. Now, granted, we might check in with you after this year and see if you still <laughs> feel the same as you did right now, but... In the meantime, let's let's have a little bit of a hopeful attitude. That's right. Uh, and hey, while we're here, let's you know, let's thank our our uh, give some gratitude and thankfulness to our sponsors. Oh yes, uh, we appreciate everybody Absolutely. who supports the Tech Connect program. Thank you so much to Code for supporting this episode and letting Dave, lending Dave to us today. Uh, as always, if you like our show, if you're interested in, in hearing more from us, one, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button for this episode. Drop us a comment. We love to get comments. We don't get a lot of That's them. That's right. But I always enjoy them when I do when folks leave us a comment, tell mm-hmm. us what they think about something. Uh, if you listen on a, an audio podcast of your choice, if you have the option to leave a review, please do that. If you're on Apple Podcasts in particular, leave a five-star rating review. It helps grow our audience and lets us know, you know what you're interested That's in. It. That's There's it. always a link in the show notes for you to, to provide suggestions for topics. Is that how they points. get a free shirt, John? They get a free T-shirt for doing that, there just for suggesting something to us. You don't, we don't even have to use it for the show. You just give us a suggestion. We will send you a T-shirt. Look for that link in the show notes. You can always you know, send one in to us. And, of course, as always, if you want to stay in touch with us, keep connected with us, you can find us on Twitter, at TechConnectPod. You can also email us anytime, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here with our, 
our two recurring segments. One, yes. our value to the VAR. This yes. is our way of kind of trying to wrap up this conversation mm-hmm, with a mm-hmm. question that is directed really to our VAR audience, something they can maybe take away from this, something they can do right now. Mm-hmm. So Dave, you know, what's what's your advice for VARs right now? If they have customers, they probably have a lot of customers like in the situations we were just talking about, they're just trying to they're just trying to stay afloat. Yep. They're just trying to stay on top of things, especially yep. if it's customers in the world of supply chain. Yep. And you know, maybe they don't have time for a, a full-on sales conversation. They're not even remotely thinking about adopting new technology maybe right now because they've just got too much stuff to work with. Mm. So what can a VAR be doing to truly help out right now, even if it's if it's not someone they can get a sale out of? Yeah, so we've uh, some of the conversations we've actually had with, with the VARs is, uh, you know, trying to future-proof some of the deals that they've been working on. And uh, we've been encouraging them to maybe even carry a little bit of inventory themselves to help buffer that just a bit. And I think that that's, uh, that's been helpful. We've got a couple of, uh, a couple of really good resellers out there that have, have done so, and they've been able to actually save some deals that otherwise they would have lost if they hadn't uh, taken those extra steps. I think that's a really good move. I mean, mm-hmm. right? You got to communicate some of the other value adds that you have, especially if you're trying to communicate with a, with a customer. Hey, look, I don't have time, but how can you continue to support them if they if they don't have time to to learn about the new technologies and try to pitch those to their end users? How else can you support them right. uh, through through what channels can you help them? We've talked a lot about different things, you know, whether it's uh, you know service and warranties or expanding those. Uh, we're seeing a lot of influx on. Okay, well, if I can't get the product, at least maybe I can extend the warranty on that. Right. These kinds of things can be very helpful uh, to a reseller in times like these, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's it's that communication aspect again. Yeah, it's that whole go. idea of just keeping in touch. Yeah. It's fine if you know if they they don't have business for you today. Mm-hmm. And even if they tell you like, well, we probably won't even have time to think about doing something new or changing yeah. things for another year or so. Exactly. That doesn't mean you just go radio silent for a year and then show <laughs> up show up next year, knock the door, be like, you're ready to talk about yeah. a new device that you need now. No, keep in touch, you know, right. regular check-ins, stop yeah, in. Right. Call, even if it's just to call them up and say, hey, how are things going? Is anything getting better for you guys? What's going mm-hmm. on right now? You know, it's to me, that's always been a big part of what I think makes a good salesperson is yeah. someone that is not trying to sell to you with every single interaction. They're well, absolutely. And leverage this unique environment that we're in right. by communicating the, the information that you yep. do get. Exactly. Even if it's... if. And we've all got it, right? I mean, it's from the logistics company telling you, oh, no, you know, we're, it's, on, it's on the truck now and it'll get to you tomorrow. Five days later, you know, <laughs> right, th- right. it comes in. We all understand what's going on. But again, communication is key. So just leverage that. Is uh, To me, that would be a touch point of uh, trying to keep in contact with my key customers at, at a minimum. You know, hey, let's talk about the projects that we have in play. Do we need to get engineering back in play? Do I need to get back to the vendor and their engineering department to see if there's any other way that we can right. work a solution right. or something like that? This this is what needs to be done. Right? And don't has, don't hurt. It never hurts to ask about their problems. Like, That's right. What are you yeah. dealing with? What right, is yeah. your headaches right now? Because you yeah. never know. You might actually have a solution for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. it's not what you originally would you normally work with them about, or would mm-hmm. you normally talk about, or the kind of solutions you typically sell. Mm-hmm. Maybe they tell you what some of their headaches are, and you go. 
hmm. you know what? I, I actually kind of think we could help out with that in well, some way. Because I'll just Never go know. back to the fact, I'm telling you, it's all hands on deck, behind the scenes. Everybody's yep. trying to do whatever they can in order to facilitate solutions and product and stuff like that. So we won't give out Dave's cell phone number, but I'll be, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that he and his engineering team, in the appropriate manner, if there was something that they could do for an end user, yeah, I mean, yeah. he already said it. He's talking to customers, yeah. you're right, all the time, trying yeah. to figure that out. And that's the atmosphere that we're Well, in if you're right anything now. like us, we, we get random emails sometimes to our, our podcast email. Oh, like, hey, right. yeah. can you get me some inventory on this? Give me a <laughs> quote for that. Like, that's, what do you, that's not us. Yes, like, we're a podcast. What? But, you know, yeah. we pass it along and yeah, do our yeah. diligence yeah, there. That's absolutely yeah. right. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like the comment about the uh, extended warranties and things like that. And, and also the helping reinvent the use of some products. Our, our tech support team, you know, all day, every day is doing just that. Uh, you know, new, new challenges might come up in the world out there for customers. And uh, rather than going out and buying new tech, they're reaching out to our resources and saying, hey, can we use our existing tech to solve these problems? And uh, our guys are masters at that. And I think tech support right now is probably one of the most valuable resources that a company can have in this market. Oh, and and how much, agree. what does that tell your customer also when you go to them and say, Hey, I'm not here to sell you something new. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you how you can do something more with what you already have. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's a pretty yeah. powerful message to be able to tell well, somebody. Yeah. Cause it, again, lends that air of like, you're not, you don't look at me as just someone to make some money off of, yeah. but as someone that's a partner and a relationship and you're trying to help me out. Mm -hmm. And if I can, I'll help you out then in the future too. So. Yeah. Yeah, because when, very good point. when fields are greener here, that they will be right. soon, right? They'll remember that. Exactly. Yeah, it'll it'll come sure. back to you, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, well, let's wrap up, as always, with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This yes. is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, yes. tech, innovation, yes, business. Yes, yes, Something that's caught our eye, got our attention, something we were reading about. I mean, it could be something that's terrifying. Nothing us, freaking that's out today. Us. Come on, we just talked about no, supply chain. I have, I, I have no freaking outs. Yeah, we had, our, we had a whole episode <laughs> on tech beefs last week of all the things that made us cranky. That's right. So that's I think right. I'm out of that for a little while. Fair enough. Uh, Dave, I'll let you start. What's tech connecting with you right now? Oh, I'll tell you. you know, I, I touched on it just a little while ago with the whole drone thing. Um, we are starting to see a lot of interest in warehouse management using drones. So all of, all of us that have warehouses or have been in those environments in the past, think of all of the human resources that we use to maintain our inventories. If we could have a drone automatically do that for us and feed the information back to us, it frees up a lot of resources that I can allocate to productivity type items that might help us, you know, innovate more or provide more better service to our customers. So, um, you know, to me, that that technology is exciting and I'm anxious to see where it goes. Yeah, I agree with you that that kind of stuff, of course, autonomous vehicles, uh, um, it, it's it's coming right, mm -hmm. and we talk about it a lot. Uh, I don't know I, the little drone that I bought for Christmas is a Christmas. It just seems so inadequate when we start talking about things like that. Though. Yeah, I think it's a little little different level of technology. Little yeah. different technology, yes. You see each of it. Yeah, yeah they, they've got them now where you clip a little device on your belt and it follows you. Oh, that's so, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's uh, so you see a lot of videos of folks on mountain bikes running through the trees. And you wonder how do they get a drone to keep up? Well, it's you know it's the same. I guess it's the same technology as those uh, pull-behind golf carts from years ago, where you could have your golf bag follow you around the golf course. Now they're doing it with drones, like virtually tethered, if you will. Right? Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. Now, in all seriousness, are you guys working with drones companies like with your because I know your scan engine is used in a lot of different places, uh, not to divulge any secrets. I'm not trying to do anything like that, but uh, just your take there real quick. Yeah, I, I definitely will say that there are OEMs out there that have a great interest in this. Yeah, right. Now. That's what I figured. Right. And um, it's it is coming. And I think that I have a feeling five years from now we'll be having a totally different conversation about it. Okay, we're bringing you back. I was gonna then. say, yeah, let's yeah. let's right? pick that podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> very good. I like All it. Right. I like it. Dean West Tech Connect with you. All right, here's my headline: Scientists cover a robotic finger in human skin. Oh. So. I thought you said we weren't going for something terrifying. Well, here. no, that was you. No. Now I'm okay. allowed to go terrifying. So <laughs> if you're as a roboticist, uh, I guess, at the University of Tech of Tokyo, have taken a tiny step towards creating the Terminator. Uh, I love how this starts off. Yeah, yeah. you've already cringing, right? <laughs> they built an artificial robot finger that's seamlessly covered in living human skin right and so the article goes on to talk about you know some materials like rubber and silicon it's just it's not human skin it's right, not right. it doesn't bend it doesn't whatever wrinkle it doesn't do what needs to be done uh, you know, in this case, sometimes Mother Nature has created the perfect thing. Well, okay, so they went ahead and did it. They have attached, uh, a, a, they have wrapped a robotic finger in living skin tissue. Yes. So right. maybe we're one step closer to, I'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> You can't wait. So, well, you know, when we get older, we talk about this. When we retire someday, we're going to uh, need assistance, that's, right? That's true. Wouldn't you like somebody that has somewhat human feeling rather than maybe like we some can like host the podcast? Punk, punk, yeah, maybe we could host the podcast from like the comfort of our couch, yes. and our our robotic skin covered selves can come in here and yes. do the actual work. Yes, yeah. I know we were supposed to have all that now, by the way. You know, because we grew up watching the Jetsons, well, yeah, yeah. and yeah. we're supposed to have this thing. Well, Rosie the robot didn't have skin on no no okay. she was just a robot no so no. you're still freaked out about this you know you're not i, don't I know mean that you're not. yeah right it's one of those like okay cool but why <laughs> Unless your point is that you want to make as human realistic robots yes. as possible, yes, and I then see. you start, and then that's when I have to start going. Well, well that, how badly can that go? You yes, know? I see. And then you just go down the path in doom and gloom. Yeah, right? exactly. An army of yes. It's every every sci-fi show of like you know lifelike <laughs> droids and robots, you know, going rogue or whatever. Or, are demanding the rights that we don't give them because we still treat them like awful machines, you know. So, <laughs> before I hand it to you, a quick, a quick bar stool, and I don't know if this is right because I mentioned it. When was George Jetson born? If you look at Wiki, do you do Ooh. you know when he was born? Let me guess. The years are priority passed. No. 2022. Oh, wow. This was the... Now, I don't know if it's true, because, again, I was sitting at a bar, and somebody showed me the wiki right, page. Right, right. But, uh, so, if George Jetson was born today, that means in the very near future, we should be... Because he's probably in his 30s, yeah, I would say. We should be flying know. around. We should yeah, be having robots. Yeah, we should be... Ha no? We're going to be lucky if we have enough autonomous vehicles on the road in yeah, 30 right, years, let point. alone that. So. All right, good yeah. point. All right, so what's tech connecting <laughs> with you, my man? All right, well, I have a, maybe a slightly more hopeful one in the world of science here. Uh... <laughs> Doctors have successfully transplanted a 3D printed ear made from human cells onto a woman born with a rare ear deformity. Oh, see, there we go. So human skin, though. Uh, you're, it's, we're, well, it is, yes, yeah, but, right. you know, we're putting it on another human, not a yes, robot. Yes, yours is for good. Mine is for you know, domination yours is, of the world. Yours is for questionable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the company is called 3D Biotherapeutics. Um, they're, they're looking at this as a potential revolution. It's still a clinical trial right now with, I think, 11, 11 participants. 
And it's um, apparently it's for folks that are born with a rare condition called microtia, which happens mm, to 1,500 right. babies born in the U.S. each year, which basically occurs where one or both ears are underdeveloped mm-hmm. or missing entirely. So essentially what they did is they, they literally took uh, some, and apparently normally they have to use like rib grafts or synthetic materials mm-hmm. to make, make right. these ears. Yeah, right. But this one, they took a biopsy from the patient's existing ear and pulled out cartilage cells. Okay. Three grew and 3D printed them into a duplicate of her ear. 3D printed them. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then because it's grown from her, one, it's regenerative cartilage, so it keeps regenerating over its lifetime, and much less likely to be rejected because it's from her own Exactly, right. So uh, this is coming on the heels of, you know, we had that whole transplanted pig's heart. Yeah, Although that patient ended up dying, unfortunately. Right, right. There's there's apparently research groups that are working on 3D printed lungs, blood vessels, so, you know, interesting, exciting potential technology there for some replacement I parts. I, got, I still got to get square in my mind, 3D printing and flesh, right? I know, like, right, like, right, what, right. How does that, I don't know that I want to see the video, but maybe I do need to see the video <laughs> to kind of square that up I don't know if it's mind. probably as disturbing as you might think. Probably but, not. Yeah. Probably very, you know, innocuous. Pretty, just, you know, yeah. I, think, I find it always interesting that we do a lot of, like, interesting science experiment stuff mm-hmm. and, and healthcare-related stuff with ears. Like, remember when they grew the ear on the right. mouse a yes. few years back? Yes. Like, yes. I just find it fascinating that I guess it kind of makes sense because it's a sort of simplistic organ. All, I right. Mean, yeah. The internal organs obviously are difficult, but yeah. like right. the actual, like, yeah. you know. It's cartilage, it's skin. Yeah. It's, yeah, right. Exactly. If you can conquer that, then there's a lot of places I guess you can go. Very much so. Okay, yours is better. I'm all mine. for, like, you know, I have a feeling I'm going to need some 3D printed parts in the yes, future. Yes, I'm you know, like. <laughs> My knees are probably going to go out at some point, you know. Like, I'm going to need some 3D printed parts. Yeah, various things I can see. I might need some 3D. Maybe we should start investing in this company now, so that we can just get free demos and stuff maybe, like that. Maybe, maybe we should. So <laughs> that's stuff. that's what's tech connecting with us right now. Dave Frick from Code, thank you so much for joining us Thanks, today. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So uh, until next time, uh, maybe keep your skin off your robots. Keep it off. Yeah, for now. Yeah, for now. Yeah. Forever. Forever. <laughs> uh, share some of your mountain of data with your yes, colleagues share, and share the data. other companies in your industry. And as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Code. All right, Dean, we've discussed many times on this podcast yes. the importance of using purpose-built hardware and software for enterprises over consumer-grade options, right? It's critical. Yeah. yeah. So there might be nowhere that's truer than healthcare, mm. where reliable, accurate, and fast tools could literally mean the difference between life and death. Point well taken, I think my it's important to think about <laughs> yeah. these things. <laughs> well, Code understands this, and so does EHR provider Epic, who was mm. the first to recognize the advantages of having robust, mobile-ready decoding capabilities built into their Epic Rover application. So they integrated Code's Cortex Decoder software into their platform. You we were just talking about the that. Podcast yes, right. sir. Cortex Decoder is a fast, reliable set of integrated barcode decoding tools and algorithms that provides a secure and dependable software-based decoding solution without sacrificing speed or privacy. With multiple SDK options available, Cortex Decoder can meet your healthcare customers' needs. Here are just some of the key features and benefits. No minimum license requirements. Mm -hmm. No usage caps. Nice. Reads over 40 barcode symbologies. Mm -hmm. Flexible OS integration. Near zero miss accuracy. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. Yep. And much more. So I'd say um, I'd say they've kind of got this covered here on this. this, I would think so. You know, uh, hyper scanning 
beyond the consumer grade scan. Because look, you yes. can go out and find a million scanning apps. Oh, sure. On yeah. App Store and no. Google Store and stuff like that. Nah, don't no, mess with any of those. Especially in this environment. Healthcare? Are right. you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, exactly. We can't have errors. So you next can't. time you're talking to your healthcare customer, yeah. if they're saying, uh, yeah, we you know we scan all this stuff here on our phones, mm-hmm. ask them what, what are they using and how do they like it? Because <laughs> odds are Cortex to go is going to be better for them. Bingo. So to learn more, contact your Blue Star Code representative.